Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel, because here we go. Here is your guide on this journey, Car Wash Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Matt DeWolf. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Car Wash, the podcast. This is the podcast that makes you a better car washer and a slightly better human being. Hey, today, friends, uh, I will not be your host for very much longer. We're going to turn it over to ICA CEO Eric Wolf for this conversation with Mr. Car Wash's John Lai as they share a little bit of the Mr. Car Wash story and how that company has approached its journey in this industry since going public. So we're going to talk a little bit about culture. We're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to run more than 360 stores. Uh, and spoiler alert, friends, you don't do it from an ivory tower. So without further ado, let me turn it over to Eric Wolf and John Lai. Thanks very much. Thanks for everyone for joining us. John, you've had a 2021. Can you start us off, though, by on IPO day or the day before, you did this fantastic karate kick move where you jumped in the air. I mean. It was really good. <laughs> I should have prepped you, not fair, no, but thanks, thanks. No, the, uh, my, my kids said, Dad, the, the butter turn dance, that was like a 1980s dance, and so I need to upgrade my dance moves. But I uh, was impressed. I mean, set we, aside your age, you're a fit guy, but you know, I was yeah, impressed that you pulled that off. No, we, we were jubilant. We were um, yeah. overwhelmed with emotion, and, and our entire team we're still actually riding on cloud nine. I right bet. It's, it's been an amazing run. I bet. Well, for those who aren't maybe real familiar, can you talk a bit, give us the profile of the company, markets, stores, employees perhaps, and then we'll get into some of the stuff this year that's been so impressive. Sure, so um, I think not the worst kept secret, you guys, it's all publicly available information now, but we have 360 locations in 21 states, 66 uh, cities or MSAs. Uh, we're up to 6,500 employees now. Um, headquartered in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, and we've been on this kind of crazy growth trajectory of about 25% year over year for the last seven years. And as you guys can appreciate, all the growing pains that go with growing at that clip, we're experiencing them. Um, it hasn't been easy, it's been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, in the overall scheme of things, while inside the industry, you know, we have probably the most stores in North America, we actually see ourselves as really small. Mm -hmm. And our estimated market share, depending upon how you want to look at it, if it's number of stores or revenue or EBITDA, is under 5%. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're tiny. And our opportunity, our collective opportunity to grow our businesses is uh, it's kind of a wide open field right now. Well, not though to sell yourself short. I mean, you, what you've done with the company, what the company has done over this past year has just been incredible. I mean, you'll recall, um, months ago around the time of the IPO, I kind of listed off these seminal moments in the car wash industry. And right. this is the first pure play car wash, now publicly traded company we've ever seen. And so can you talk a little bit about, we were, we were chatting before we went live, because John had served on the ICA board years ago. We've known each other for a while. And when you sit here, it hasn't been 100 years we've known each other, but the, the amount of change that's happened in 5, 10, 15 years is unbelievable. So, 
Just give us a little sense from where you sit. What has this industry done? Did you, could you ever have seen where we are today beyond right. even Mister? No, so I've been in the business for 25 years. Um, so real quick, Mr. Car Wash is not an overnight success story. It's taken us 25 years to get here. And a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, not to get too dramatic, but it's been a slow, kind of steady build, one store at a time, one leader at a time, and collectively we've been able to kind of stitch this thing together. A lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes made, um, but we've learned each successive store. And I will say, um, when you kind of zoom out and look at our portfolio, We've been very fortunate to be able to uh, acquire and partner with some legends in the industry right. that um, have taught us a lot. So in a very humble way, we, you know, we, we, we have a term called reverse synergies where oftentimes we're learning more from the business that we're acquiring than we're bringing to the table. And, and having that kind of mindset to look for all the good things that owner operators are doing so that we can incorporate them into our model and so if, if you look at our trend line as a company, for the first, I'm going to say 15 years, it was relatively flat. And just in the last period, we've kind of um, turned up the knob a little bit and, and gotten there quicker, but um, it hasn't been without an amazing team. Some of them are here today. Uh, really honored that, that we've built, I think, a, a, one of the best organizations in the industry. Yeah, congrats to all of them, by the way. What a, what a great accomplishment and story. So how do you assess where this industry is today with your 25-year view and where we are? As we wrap up 2021, how, would you how do you describe this to those who yeah. may not be familiar? So we're all lucky, right? We're in a great industry, we're in a great space. The demand for our service is at an all-time high. Um, I think many of us are fortunate that the Express Exterior model, so when we first started, we were a full-service car wash company. And for those of you that run full-service car washes, you know how difficult that can be. Hard to scale, particularly. So the Express Exterior model, I think, has been a blessing. Um, not just for us, but the consumers love the fact that they can get in and out very quickly. Right. So that convenience and speed card has really fueled and been the catalyst. And then you layer in the subscription-based membership model, which has also been the game changer for all yeah. of us. Those two forces combined, so you know that old adage, better to be lucky than good. So I think we're all good at, at our craft, uh, but we're also very fortunate that those two things came together. And then just more broadly speaking, Eric, you know, this is a huge, so 275 million cars in the US today, right? Um, car culture, um, the automobile for many Americans is more than just transportation. And so with, and this has nothing to do with COVID and what just happened during COVID, but um, most Americans prefer to drive their vehicle to get from point A to point B. And the fact that we're selling this feel good. So technically, when we went through the IPO, they had to stick us into a sector, right? So consumer discretionary, so non-staple, right? Service. But the service piece of the equation got everyone really excited because it's hard to disrupt a service provider. So there's this, what they call an Amazon moat. Um, as we think about who could mess up the party that we're all enjoying right now, there's very few things that we can see, and trust me, we went through this intense poking and prodding through the lens of autonomous vehicles, sure. ride sharing, um, how, are there any kind of secular trends that could impact, you know, how people view car ownership, electronic vehicles, which we, yep. we didn't see as a threat. Um, but given the size of this car park in the US and where we see this industry, we think we can 
we collectively can double the size of, of our footprint without any point of maturation slash slowdown. And that's a pretty optimal, if you can double the size of your industry, that's a, which is why this show is so big, right? Right, absolutely. Well, and, and earlier today we were talking about how, and you'll recall some of these early consumer studies, right? Less than half of US car owners did it at a professional wash. Now it's 90%. So I mean, the number of cars, demand skyrocketing. I mean, a lot of, a lot of wind behind the sales of the industry. Huge. Yeah. Huge. So as you look ahead, so 360 right now, probably a few more before the end of the calendar year. What, you've been through this process of an IPO, this massive effort by you and your team. You're getting used to your quarterly earnings calls now, all the, all the yeah, stuff that comes yeah. with it, right? So when you look ahead to 2022, what are some of the priorities for Mr. Carwash and for you? So let, let me just make a point. Our, our goal was never to be the biggest. It was to be the best, and we're not the best. And so we subscribe to this theory of good to great, and the day you think you're great, the day you're washed up. So the continuous improvement kind of chip to our DNA is critical to us never being satisfied, always looking for ways to refine and make better, speed yep. things up, improve quality, et cetera. Uh, but, but as we look ahead to 2022, I think, and this is not news to, to the audience, the, this labor market that we're in right now is intense, right? So whatever cliche you want to use, the war for talent is, uh, I've never seen it more intense. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad that midway through our journey, we, it wasn't a light bulb moment, but it was this transition for our organization where early on we used to crack the whip and there was a lot of effective immediately's and um, we looked at labor through purely a cost lens and not so much a productivity lens, but when we realized that if you take care of your team members, pay them well, offer them good benefits, train and support them, create career path progression, and you're doing all those things, oh, and then create a nice culture where they feel good about themselves, you can create a really magical organization where the customer feels that in store. And it gets intrinsically more difficult the bigger you get. And so we're not perfect. You can go into any one of our stores and see an opportunity. You know, we're, you know, we're human. Um, but I think the, the, our focus on people and, and continuously trying to raise that bar for them and we're happy to pay top of market. We're happy to pay a living wage because these guys are busting their butts and they're the ones that are you know, delivering the great results for our customers. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about people just for one second, if you don't mind, because I did notice in your most recent call, there was a question posed to you and your response was, I'm waiting for someone to ask me about culture. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you can tell in many of your answers through that call, I mean, you, you cited things like your people's participation in the offering, yeah. the training investments you're making. So can you talk about what the IPO and, and more broadly what your building means for your people and what reaction you've seen culturally and, 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 and in people's behavior and attitude? Yeah, so probably the question I get asked most often is how the hell are you guys running 360 car washes coast to coast? And my quick response is, we're not doing it from the ivory tower. We've created an environment where our site leaders, who are the most important position in our entire organization, are the ones that are running that business. We reward them through a profit sharing model, and just recently we've been able to provide them a piece of the pie. So we now, and I'm bragging here a little bit, but this is my victory lap. You know, we've been able to give over 800 of our team members a piece of equity, a meaningful piece of equity in, in Mr. Carwash. And when you have an employee ownership uh, model, 
it becomes extremely empowering. And so we came to the table with a really motivated group. Today they're even more motivated because they have a piece of that pie. And, and we're creating wealth and financial independence for hundreds and hundreds of our team members. Yeah, it's a great story. Congratulations on that. And yep. we'll take a couple of questions in a second, so if you want to queue up at these mics, please go ahead and do so. I do want to ask you, though, that there's all these great tailwinds and all these great things happening, but you know, you, part of your job is to be looking around the corner and what's under the bed that concerns, should concern you in this industry. So what, what does concern you? When you look out at this industry and everything's going up and to the right, it right. seems. Right. So where, 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 how, do you, how do you look at that? How do you prioritize things? Of, and what are you might maybe doing to hedge against some of that? Yeah, so we're, we're focused on just our core business right now. As I mentioned earlier, the, the labor market is probably the, the one concern that I think we all collectively have. It's never been more difficult to find good people. And so our approach is make sure you're taking care of the good team members that you have first. So every company has a talent acquisition initiative. I think they should also have a talent retention initiative <laughs> to make sure that you don't lo lose good people. And so you know, our turnover has consistently gone down year over year, but it's still not where we need it to be. Yep. Um, so we're working very hard on just lifting their lives up while we continue to bring on better people. Great, great. We don't have questions right now. Isn't that amazing? I figured somebody's got to give a, a good zinger to John, but I do, let me, yeah. while we maybe wait to see if somebody shows up, I, I am curious about the training program you described a bit recently. Again, back to the call, because I, I tried to read up before this, but yeah. I know you're making a big investment. That's part of probably your retention and attraction. Uh, program for employees. So can you talk a little bit about that training program? Is it managerial staff? Is it, is it from yeah. top to bottom? Yeah, so it's kind of our secret sauce, but there's no more secrets anymore now that we're public. <laughs> so we, we began this journey, and Myra Schimente, who leads this, is in the audience. But uh, over five years ago, we realized with a distributed workforce from coast to coast that we needed to have a digital platform where we can do remote learning um, and do it in a way designed for the adult learner. And, and build out a baseline system, so we call it Mr. Cares, or excuse me, Mr. Learn, which is our, our digital asynchronous on-demand solution. For, all, for those of you that have kids and watched how the schools had to scramble when, when the schools shut down during COVID, we were already there because we had that infrastructure built out. Now we're taking it to the next level where you know, the reality is most learning is on the job. So we've compressed the learning curve for new hires, and now we're taking our operations leaders, managers in training, and putting them through a really rigorous program because anyone can buy a business, anyone can build a store, you have to run it and run it successfully. And so we're working in tandem with this ambition, ambitious growth vision to concurrently make sure that we have enough leaders that we can plug into these stores so we can consistently raise the bar. If you were to ask me what is the thing that keeps me up at night, is, yep. and you've seen a lot of companies scale too quickly, either they bit off more than they can chew, or they've, um, uh, they went into a deal that perhaps had a few hiccups along the way and, and didn't have the system in place to do it. So when you start to see standards slip and we start to see quality and speed start to inhibit, the customer experience start to be negatively impacted. That to me is the biggest nightmare. We're, we're determined to continue to go this direction, not this direction. And, and we've been there in the past where we have bitten off more than we can chew. I think the one differentiator when you look at our model and our approach 
is that we integrate and assimilate and attempt to standardize that customer experience. And so it's not for the faint of heart. Again, anybody can buy a business. It's what you do with it post acquisition. And we're really proud of the fact that we've been able to take great businesses and incrementally lift them or exponentially lift them and take them to a better place. And um, just to clarify, so I am looking for hardball zingers right between the eyes, so no softballs. So I'm hoping that you have a, uh, a good question for me. Yeah, name and company if you wouldn't mind. Sure thing, Boyan Raddick, Brightworks Car Wash, Fort Worth, Texas. Thank you. Uh, first of all, congratulations on all your success, John. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's great to watch from, from the articles, the sidelines, the websites, and, and uh, you know, listening to you now. What, what, uh, it, it's a twofold question. So the first one, it, you're talking a lot about growth and, and, and you know, high right. And um, I'm curious, with all the acquisitions that you, you, your team has taken on, what, what is it that you do with the dogs? of the bunch? Yeah, so it would be hubris for me to suggest that all 360 of our locations are rock stars. And, and so to oversimplify, if you looked at the A, B, and C locations inside of our portfolio, I would conservatively estimate that maybe 15% of those stores are not in ideal locations. And what we've learned is right, we're not miracle workers. So if we... Um, we're fortunate enough to be able to partner up and acquire a beautiful business that had, let's just say, six stores or 10 stores. And inside that six or 10 store portfolio, one or two of those stores weren't ideal. Um, the way we look at it, which right or wrong is our approach, is that if that store is cash flow positive and not losing money, we're okay with running that location because it helps strengthen our unlimited wash club value proposition where you have more optionality. So. There are a few stores that are kind of bumping along today in, in our network that you know, probably don't represent the brand to the degree that we want them to, but because they offer another option for our members, uh, we're happy keeping those things open. If it's losing money though, and I think the bigger we get, you know, we're gonna have to at times divest and, and you know, wean off, and we've done a handful of, of, of closures over the years. So again, we're, we're good, but we're not, you know, we, we can't take a store that's fundamentally challenged and, and fix it. We, we can help you with that. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the second part of, of the question is, on those underperforming stores, do you spend more time on those than the, than the high-performing stores, or, or do, yeah. do you try to... That's, you a, know, that's a great question. So that old adage, uh, feed the dog and starve the star. So we, we've been guilty of exactly what you just described. And part of it is, I think it's pride and maybe a little bit of ego where we're determined to you know, give it our all and push hard. And, and we've had situations where two years into a, you know, given it the college try, we haven't been able to move the needle. And so the, at a certain point, you have to ask yourself, is this beyond what, you know, and is this a, a so at the end of the day, it's a quality location, good physical plant that can process a lot of cars. If you have those two pieces, um, I think, most good operators can take that and, and make it better. Got it. Thank you. Those are my questions. Thank you. John, you want to do one last one? Sure. Yes, sir. Hi, I'm a, well, my name is Ruben. I'm with Superstar Car Wash. Um, my question is when changing the culture, and it's funny you mentioned that because that was my question. Uh, when changing the culture in the company or attempting to or working towards changing the culture in your company, 
Um, aside from the vision and where you want to be, what is the most crucial part of changing the culture as well as most crucial part to on staying consistent to make sure that happens? Yeah, great question. And, and by the way, congratulations on your success. You, we're huge fans of what you guys are doing. Phoenix, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, awesome job. Thank you. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, so, I mean, that, that, that's a, uh, it's a complicated question for me to answer succinctly, but I'll attempt to. So back to what I call Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but in our version, make sure you, you're taking care of those fundamental. So you can talk about culture till the cows come home. You can have fancy mission statements and, you know, purpose and principles, and, and those are all important. But if you're not paying your people well, so you got to pay people well. You got to offer them comprehensive benefits. You got to have a really good training system. And then you got to have very tangible and real career path progression. And then when you're doing all those things, it starts with the very top of this organization, your organization as well. It's how are you behaving? How are you treating them? And so we subscribe to this servant leadership kind of uh, belief where at the end of the day, I'm the least important guy in this organization. We've turned the pyramid completely upside down. Our headquarters, we have over 300 folks in our headquarter group. Their sole reason for being is to make the field's job easier and to serve the site leader, not to create more administrative stuff, right? It's not to have more reports. It's how can they help them become the best versions of themselves. And so servant leadership and, and really it's just how you treat them. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. That was it. That was a really good answer. I appreciate you. Thank Great. you so much. Thank you. Well, John, thanks for giving us time today. Congratulations on an unbelievable 2021. And on behalf of the whole industry, thanks for what you're doing to put a shine on all of us. And thank you. The ICA is a great organization. Thanks. thanks. Thank you, John. Okay. Appreciate it. Car Wash the Podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry, tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.